All right, Mark chapter number 8, and we're going to start reading verse number 27. Mark chapter 8, verse number 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elias, and others, one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. Mark chapter 8, verse 27 to 30 is Jesus asking his disciples, Who am I? Who am I? What, what do you know of me? And our lives are filled with questions, aren't they? Our, everybody's life has lots of questions. And I really want to examine this question because it helps us have a good view or a question. The answer to that question helps us understand where we are positionally with Jesus Christ. Who do you say that I am? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another day you've given to us. And Lord, I pray that you encourage our hearts to know you as our Lord and Savior. Help us understand you came and you died for us to provide salvation for all who would come to you. Lord, I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. You know, some of the questions that we face each and every day are pretty mundane. What should I wear today? Now, that takes longer for some people to answer than others. And some others, you should ask some other people before you leave what you should be wearing, okay? Uh, and then other questions like, what, what am I going to eat for dinner? Uh, should I go hang out with my friends today? Uh, what, what do I want to uh, uh, read? What book do I want to read? Or what mall do I want? You know, very mundane, right? That's really no eternal value at all. Some of life's questions are just plainly unanswerable. Why do men refuse to stop and ask for directions? I do have an answer for that. We're never really lost. Oh, come on, guys. You're supposed to help me out on that one. Okay, another one that's really unanswerable and it really doesn't matter either is if nothing ever sticks to Teflon, how do they make Teflon stick to the plant pan? Have you ever thought about that? Apparently I have. <laughs> Then what, uh, and they always say, well, it's, it's the best thing since sliced bread. What was the best thing before that? You know, just, you know, just foolish things that we come and think about. But some of life's questions are very, very important. Consider the following. Will you marry me? What shall I name the baby? And doctor, what's my prognosis? All kinds of questions that have lifelong impacts. Alright? Lifelong. And in this passage, Jesus asks two questions. Two questions. <clears throat> concerning, you know, who He is, about His eternal nature. And the first question will have to do with, He's asked the disciples, what do other people say about Me? Now Jesus wasn't doing this to get His, uh, confidence built up. Have you met some people who ask you what they, you think of them just so their confidence feels better? It had nothing to do with that for the Lord. This was, he wanted to know what they had heard. Their opinions of people asking this question revealed the condition of their hearts about Jesus Christ. Their answer to his, to this question demonstrate whether they were saved or not. Then the second question, which is a personal question. Jesus asks, but whom say ye that I am? Whom say ye that I am? 
whom say you who Jesus is? That's personal. That's a personal question. And it really does. Your answer to that question will determine where you spend eternity. It is. So it's vital. It's of vital importance that you carefully consider how you answer that question. The first one, Jesus asks a very penetrating question. We're told in verse number 27 that Jesus, he had healed that man, right, who was blind. Now he went out and his disciples and was in the town, towns of Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was a predominantly Gentile area located some 25 miles north of Bethsaida. That's where he healed the blind man that we had looked at previous in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. And it's here that a, a spring comes forth from Mount Hermon and forms one of the tributaries that becomes the Jordan River. So it's really at the headwaters of the Jordan River. And this area was particularly beautiful, but it was particularly steeped in pagan religion. In ancient times, the city had been called Palanus, which, uh, because they had been the center of Baal worship. And Baal was the Phoenician god of fertility and nature. Later, the name was changed to Pananus because the Greeks believed their god Pan was born in one of the caves in the hills outside the city at the foot of Mount Hermon. And Pan was a half-goat, half-man god who they believed to be the guardian of the flocks and of nature. And in Caesarea Philippi, they also contain a gleaming marble temple built by Herod uh, Philip to honor Caesar, the Roman emperor who was considered to be a god. I talk about a really confusing religious systems. I just told you about three different gods, and they're all false. And these were, these were areas where all this kind of thing happened. And these citizens of the city, they were required. I do not know how they enforced this requirement, but every year they were required to go to that temple, and they were supposed to uh, place a, in, a pinch of incense on a burning altar and proclaim... Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord in referencing that he's a God. It was here in this area, in this city, devoted to the worship of idols, man-made gods, that Jesus chose as a place to make a fuller revelation of himself to his disciples. The Lord's first question is, whom do men say that I am? Jesus knew, listen, Jesus already knew what people were saying about him. He knew what the hearts of man. He wasn't paranoid. He wasn't seeking for praise. He was intending to use the opinions of people concerning his identity to cause the disciples to think about who do you individually believe that I am? He was, he was the boring down deep. It was a question to lead to another question. He wanted to see what their opinion of him was. When Jesus asked this question, his men tell Jesus what they have been hearing others say. Some say that you're John the Baptist there in verse number 28. Some say that you're Elias, others one of the prophets. Now let's take a moment to break those down a little bit. Uh, John the Baptist. Now it's Jesus' ministry, there would have been some resemblance to John the Baptist in his preaching. Uh, uh, both men preached the message of repentance and righteousness. That's what both men preached. But that would have been really weird because John and Jesus had been together on occasion. Who baptized Jesus? 
John the Baptist. All right, so they were known to each other. They had interacted at least once. So that's kind of strange to me why they would think that he's John the Baptist when they know that Jesus and John the Baptist were together. I really think it goes back to Herod Antipas who said when he heard about Jesus' miracles, he said, it's John the Baptist raised again. I think that's where that came from. And we looked at that a while ago in Mark chapter 6. I think that's where that theory came from. Others believe that Jesus was Elijah, raised from the dead. Now, that makes a little bit more sense than him being John the Baptist, because both Jesus and Elijah conducted a ministry that, man, their preaching was convicting. And, you know, Elijah did a lot of miracles. Now, Jesus did more, but there's parallels, right? There's some things that were similar. And others believe that Jesus was of one of the prophets, or one of the prophets, and that's a long list. I'm not going to go through all of them, but you know, we think of Isaiah. Jesus preached about sacrifice and holiness, like Isaiah did. Uh, Daniel. The message of Jesus was a prophetic message of coming King and Kingdom. Daniel was speaking of in the Book of Daniel of things to come. He was like Jeremiah, and he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. You know, Jeremiah had a very tough ministry. It was very difficult. Like Hosea, Jesus loved the unlovable and was willing to redeem the lost. Aren't you glad for that? I, I read that this week, like Hosea. I'm so glad that Jesus, like Hosea, and even so much the more, loved the unlovable and was willing to redeem the lost, wretched sinner. Praise the Lord. But there's some other people's opinions about Jesus that were not so flattering or so nice. The Pharisees and other religious leaders of the day said, He have a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? John 8.20 The scribes, the men viewed as the great teachers of the law, said, He have Beelzebub, and by the prince of devils cast ye out devils. They have the wrong opinion, don't they? Either call him a devil. The Son of God is a devil. And he casts out his own kind. The Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the Jewish religion, said, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now we have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then they did spit in his face and buffet him. And others smote him with the hand, palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Wow. Some very large contradicting views here, isn't it? Different opinions. His own family said he is beside himself. Even as Jesus hung on the cross, giving his life a ransom for sin, the elite of that day continued to express their evil opinion of him. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Mark chapter 15. I read that portion of Scripture a little bit more dramatically just to get you the idea that people were mocking Jesus. They did not have the right view of Jesus and they had no problem promoting their view and teaching it as truth. 
Not every voice was lifted up in his support. And thankfully, not every voice was lifted against him either. Some people knew who he was and proclaimed him openly. John the Baptist got it right. Amen? Behold, Lamb of God. That's who he is. You know, uh, the dying thief got it right. And he, what that day, he was spent eternity, that day started eternity with him in Christ. The Roman security and Saturian at the foot of the cross got it right. The, just moments before the religious crowd were there saying, what I just did, reviling him, and the Roman centurion looks up and says, truly, that was a righteous man. Got it right, didn't he? That's who Jesus is. That's what some of the people in that day were saying about Jesus. What are they saying about him today? I mean, that's a long time ago. What are they saying about him today? Just as it was in the days of Jesus, as he walked this earth, there was opinions, there is today. You know, Muslims say that Jesus was a good prophet. But he was not crucified on the cross. And he will return, but he's not God. I've had discussion with Muslims and they told me exactly what I just told you. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, belief systems out there that say there's all kinds of gods, there's millions of gods, and uh, he's just one of them. Jesus is. I, I think of a missionary family that I know that are uh, the Woon family there in Nepal, and they told me of the thousands and hundreds of thousands of gods that they worship there. And they're like, Jesus is just another one to them. The Jews believe that Jesus was a prophet and a teacher, but he's not God. The Mormon believes that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. The atheist denies that Jesus ever existed at all. And society today believes that for some, you know, he's a nice, good teacher, I think. He had some good ideas. He definitely was loving. We can see that. And he did good to others. But they do not believe that he is the Savior or that he is a God in the flesh and so they might say, yes, he lived, but they do not bow to his authority and they do not give him the worship that he so rightly deserves. Now, I've told you the theories of what men thought concerning Jesus. Before we go any further, we need to hear one more opinion. Actually, it's not opinion, it's the truth. Listen to what God in heaven had to say about his son. When Jesus was baptized by John in Jordan, God the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus was transfigured, God the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Hear ye Him. Well, that's in Matthew chapter 7, so I believe God wants me to hear from Him. Amen? To hear what Jesus has to say. If God the Father says that Jesus is His Son and He is well pleased and that I need to hear Him, that's good enough for me. I need to hear. I need to listen. So Jesus asks His disciples, what's other people saying? In verse number 29. And He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? So they describe, there's probably more than a few words that we see in verse 28, but sake of time, and you know, it wasn't recorded for us in the Scripture. Then he asked them, what say ye that I am? After hearing his disciples tell him what others say, Jesus asked them, what's your opinion? 
I've heard the opinion of others. Now, what's your opinion? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone asked, what have you been hearing about something? And you tell them what you hear, and then they look at you, and what do you think? The rubber meets the road then, doesn't it? There's, there's no way of dancing around the situation or whatever the case is. They're asking, what do you think? How do you perceive? This is a moment of truth for the disciples. Everything Jesus had taught them and had showed them had been leading up to this moment. The miracles, feeding of the four and five thousand, the, the water uh, on the Sea of Galilee being calm, healing the blind man, the leper, casting out demons and confronting the religious elite and teaching the truth and raising the, the life, the dead to life. I mean, there's so many things that have been all leading to this one moment. Every miracle, every word of truth Jesus spoke brings them to this point. And this is a crossroads. You know, so us men, we never get lost, right men? I didn't even get an amen on that, but we come to that stoplight. It's left or right. And I'm like, why couldn't this guy just make the road just gently turn, not make me have to make a decision right now? It's left or right. I'm at a crossroads. I can't go straight. I won't go very far if I go straight. I have to make a choice. I always go right, guys. I always go right. <laughs> no, the reality is we have to make a choice. And this is spiritual here. There's a, this is a spiritual crossroads. You have to make a choice. Their response to this question would, lead, would let Jesus know how his personal ministry had been affecting them. What was in their hearts? He already knew what was in their hearts, but he had to ask the question. But whom say ye that I am? It's not a tough question. Like, it's not long. It's not super complicated. But doesn't it have some great implications for your life? And for the life of the disciples? Absolutely. The right answer, the right answer, saying you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and I believe in you, means eternity with Him in heaven. The wrong answer, saying, that, yeah, you're just a good teacher and you're a nice guy, that's the wrong answer, and you continue down that path and that's eternity without Jesus Christ. This is serious. It's very serious. Peter, as is his personality, speaks for the whole group. I'm sure other guys want to say something, but Peter had this under control. Hey, 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 I got this. Thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ. You got it right. In Matthew's account of these events, Matthew quotes uh, Peter saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. There in Caesarea Philippi, remember I kind of gave you the backdrop of the paganism that was part of that area, that cultural, that, that uh, geographical area? And false religion, Peter saw in a humble carpenter from Nazareth the very essence of God Himself. And Peter looked at Jesus and he saw the Messiah. Amen? He saw the Messiah. That which is the word Christ, that's what it means. It's a title, it's not a name. It's a title. It literally means the anointed one. Peter also saw Jesus as the Son of God. That's a statement of faith, folks. 
That's who you are. I'm going to follow you. Of course, Peter did not come to this knowledge all on his own. Matthew 16, 17 says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Hey, that's how it works, folks. The Lord touches our hearts through the Holy Spirit to help us understand who Jesus is. Because we can't do it on our own. Our eyes are blind. We cannot see. Spoke about that a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning. You know, we can't see. We're spiritually blinded. But the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and shows us who Jesus is. This is true in every genuine conversion. No man can come to me except the Father which have sent me. Draw him. And I will raise him up in the last day. No one is saved by the persuasive opinions of men. They're not. You, I might be able to convince you some facts, but I cannot persuade you to be saved. You do that. You accept the gift. Jesus Christ works in your heart. You're the one who accepts it. I cannot give it. Oh, it's, it's all done, amen. You don't have to do anything but just take it. Christmas time, you know, you give your gifts to the children or the people. You know, all they have to do is take it as theirs, right? If I had a set of keys up here, which I do not, and I said, hey, there's a car in the back. It's a uh, 2017 Camaro, and all you have to do is come get it. I will get swamped really quick, right? But all you have to do is take the key, and it's yours. Salvation, all you have to do is take it. It's for you. Now, we have to understand that by taking it, we have to say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and there's no other God but Him. Amen? Amen. That's it. And we, if we had a certain way of living before, and we all have a certain way of living, some of us might say, well, I don't believe in any God. Well, you believe yourself to be God. You're looking to yourself to take care of your destiny. If you're believing in any other system but Jesus Christ, you have to repent. You have to change from that. You turn direction. You say, it's that no longer I can place my faith and trust in this or this religious system or this thing. I place my full faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Saved. Him alone. There's nothing else. Your works don't keep you saved. Your works don't get you saved. It's a gift. Amen. Because if we had to keep ourselves saved, we would be horribly lost. We can't keep ourselves saved. We can't be do the saving. Jesus does all that. Amen. He does it all. Now I'm off track. Where am I? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And now yourselves it's a gift of God. Now of works lest any man should boast. Peter's declaration let us know that Peter was a saved man. He was. Uh, he knew who Jesus was and he openly confessed him to be that. Peter was saved, but not all the other disciples were. You know, in that group that stood that day, there was a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. He probably believed what Peter said in his head, but he never acted on it. He never accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. And Judas died lost. And Jesus' own testimony says he died a devil. John 6.70 It just serves to remind us that our opinion... Uh, us that your opinion of who Jesus is is a very personal thing. It's very personal. No one can speak for you. 
If you're all, if you all came to the family today and uh, your dad came to me and said, uh, we all believe Jesus. Well, I'm glad you said that and I hope that's true, but dad can't speak for everyone. That's a personal decision. Right? Because if the case was, it was just up to the dad and everyone saved, I think there would be a whole lot more families who were all saved. Amen? Or if it was mom, all the family would be saved. No, it's a personal decision. It's very, very, very personal. No one can believe for you. And in the end, it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say about Jesus. It comes down to what you believe about Jesus. That's what it comes down to. And that's the end of the story. The final period is about who do you say that I am? Your answer to the Lord's question is absolutely vital for your salvation. For your salvation. The way you answer that question will determine where you will spend eternity. Jesus is asking, but whom say ye that I am? What is your answer? Don't answer it out loud. Think in your own heart and mind today. What is your answer to that question? Maybe you're like the atheist and you don't believe in Jesus or God. Friends, you're sinning against the light. The evidences are everywhere. That Jesus is the Son of God and there is a God. You're willfully closing your eyes to the fact that it's all around you. Hey, our world didn't happen because of a bang. Have you ever witnessed a bang in a sense of demolition and explosive charges? My dad used to build wharfs and things, and sometimes they'd have to blow up some rock on the side of a face. When things go bang, things go everywhere. To happen to your house, like I hope there's no explosive charges in your house, but you ever go into a room and say, look at this disorder. It looks like a bomb. That's the word we use, right? A bomb went off in here. Why is there socks hanging on that fan up there? Why is the, I told you to put those clothes away days ago. Hey, our God created this world. With a word, and it was done. And he was pleased. He created the way he wanted to be created, and he did it right. Look around us. A few weeks ago, I talked about how the world's spinning on an axis, and then we're spinning around the sun, and we're spinning, and it's amazing we don't go flying all over the place. But the Lord put it all together. Listen. If you would take the faith that you put in evolutionary thought process and put in Jesus Christ, you'd be saved, amen? You know, you, you, would, you don't need that evolution. It's a different uh, uh, view of life and a, a view of uh, everything. Trust Jesus! Don't trust man-made evolutionary thought processes or other humanistic uh, viewpoints. Trust Jesus. He's the answer. And you say, oh, I don't know. Well, I'd like to introduce you to some people here today who will tell you he's the answer because the Lord's done some amazing, wonderful things in their life. And then I'll bring you to another church if we had time and I'll make you show you some more people. Now, he's real. Maybe you're like the agnostic and you just don't know, uh, you just don't believe that anyone could be sure about anything or any such things. 
And again, I would bring you back to the point of showing you, I'm introducing you to people here today who've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they're changed eternally because of it. And one day they were headed this way, a path of destruction, and they were not doing what they should be right to do, and, and they were doing wicked things, and their families were on the rock, and they were close to death, and different things of that nature. They accepted Jesus Christ, and now they're on the pathway to righteousness, and they're living for the Lord. Jesus did it. Not them. Jesus did it. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Maybe you're here and some, and you have some belief system. Maybe you've been affected by some cults or other religions regarding what Jesus is. Well, I've got some, some truth for you from God's Word. And I just want you to know, and I'm getting pretty excited here this morning. Do you notice that? Okay, this is true. This is true. And this is what will be preached in our church as long as I'm here and however long that Lord is. And I hope He comes soon, okay? But as long as we're preaching from this pulpit, it's going to be this Word and we believe it to be true. And that's what we base our life upon is God's Word. God's Word says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 Great verse, isn't it? It's a wonderful verse. You shall, you won't perish. So we all pass away. I understand that no one lives forever. We're speaking here about eternity. Uh, uh, we have an eternal soul. That can perish in a sense to be eternally separated from God. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, you'll have everlasting life. Do you think everlasting life ever ends? That's right. The everlasting means everlasting. In heaven. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, there's all kinds of religions say there's all kinds of way to heaven that's false. According to God's Word, which we believe to be true, there's only one way. There's only one way. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's it. And I'm not saying these things because I'm always right. No, the Word of God is always right. God's Word is always right. I said therefore unto you that uh, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. Uh, John 8.24 You need to believe. You need to believe. You know, we put our trust in all kinds of things. I didn't see anybody here. Now, I didn't watch everybody come in, but I've seen a lot of you come in this morning. And all the ones I saw that came in, you all plopped down on that pew believing it would take the weight of everybody on that pew and you adding it to it. I didn't see any of you examine it. You just trusted, right? Just, I, I, when I, before we, when I came up here with Pastor Matt and, and Brother Dave, we, I came out and I sat down. I didn't pull the chair out and check it all out, make sure no one took the screws out. You better never do that. I just trust it. It's pretty simple, right? Salvation is not complicated. I take God's Word for what it says and I simply trust. It's not complicated. Peter believed that Jesus was God. He was Lord and Savior. 
He was saved. And the disciples that believed the same thing were saved. And millions of people have been saved the same way. And they trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And thousands of years since that event has taken place. The issue today is, what do you believe about Jesus? That's the issue. Well, you will make a judgments concerning Him today. In the next five, ten minutes, we're, uh, you're, you're making a judgment. Right now, you're at the crossroads. Remember I mentioned earlier, we're, uh, the stoplight is right or left. You are there, my friend. You're making a choice in the next few moments here what it's going to be. What's it going to be? Will you say, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Savior of the world. I, I believe you as I trust, I repent of my sin, my, I repent of that false way of life and that false religion, that, that false whatever it is, and I trust in you alone. I trust you. You'll save me. Your word says it. It's true. Or will you say, yeah, you're a good, you're, you were a good teacher, you know, like a rabbi, like they talked about you, you know, but that's it. That's where we are right now. That's where you're at. And maybe somebody say, well, I ever made a decision. Well, praise the Lord. But you were at a crossroads once too, weren't you? Christian, you were at a crossroads once. What's the choice going to be? How you answer the Lord's question will determine whether you will spend eternity with Him in heaven or eternally separated from Him in a place called hell. It is simple as that. What's your answer? Who's Jesus to you? I'm going to read you a list of names that the Bible talks about Jesus. And I really cut down this list because it was so much greater. It probably would have took me about ten minutes to read off all the names. About the Bible or how the Bible just says who Jesus is or what He is. He's Advocate. He's Alpha. Ancient of Days. The Beginning. The Begotten. The Beloved. The Captain of Our Salvation. Consolation. Christ. Deliverer, Dayspring, Door, Emmanuel, Everlasting Father, the Finisher of our faith. He's our friend. I like that one. I like them all, but that one really touched me when I was thinking about it. First fruits. He's God. He's Governor. He's Guide. He's Help. He's Hope. He's the Head of the Church. I am. He's our inheritance. He's immortal. He's invisible. He's Judge. He's Jesus. King of Israel. King of Kings. King Everlasting. He's Lion, Lamb, Lawgiver, the Lord of Glory, Mediator, Master, Messiah, Mighty God, Mercy, Omega, Only Begotten of God, Offering and Offered for our Sins, the Prince of Peace, the Great Physician. He's Righteousness, He's Resurrection, He's the Rose of Sharon, He's stone, shepherd, son of God, son of man, shield, servant, sufferer, savior, sinless, sacrifice, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's teacher, truth, treasure, tree of life. He's witness, word. He's the way. He's wisdom of God. And he is wonderful. Who do you, who, who do you say Jesus is? 
That's what the Bible said. And I didn't, like I told you, I didn't tell you all the things. It's, it's this huge list. Jesus told his disciples in verse number 30, don't, you know, and he charged them that they should tell no man of him. He did this because it wasn't time. He, he had gone through all the land preaching that, uh, if he had gone through all the land preaching that he was the Messiah, opposition would have grown and it would have been very difficult. Uh, and he had not yet completed his mission. But his mission is complete today, amen? We can tell people about Jesus. There's, there's no qualification on us in the Word of God. Don't charge, we're never charged not to tell. We're commissioned to tell now. But there was a reason for that. Tell the world about Jesus. How do you answer that question? And let me put it this way. Throw out what other opinions you've heard about Jesus. You know, Jesus asked his disciples, what do other men say of me? What have they said? What, 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 what have you heard? Throw out that penetrating question. Now I want you to focus on the personal question. What do you say of Jesus? Whom do you say Jesus is? And the answer to that question is life changing. 